Well folks, welcome to our final instalment on We'll Get Through This. This is week eight, following the life of Joseph, as we have been looking at his life documented in Genesis, um, the chapter, the first book in the Bible, as we've been looking at his life and what did he endure, what did he go through, and what lessons we can learn from his life as we have journeyed and journeying through this pandemic. I realise that it's not just necessarily appropriate or applicable for uh, journeying, surviving through uh, the isolation and, and other effects that this pandemic's having, having on us, but it's also applicable to many other aspects of our lives where we incur uh, pain, suffering, and, uh, and it's appropriate and applicable for that as well. Now, a confession I need to make. We are... Uh, only part way through the story, even though we're concluding today. It begins Genesis chapter 37, it goes right the way through to chapter 50, and we're only up to the end of chapter 41. So we've got nine chapters to cover today. So sit back, make your coffee, it's going to last at least three hours. Only joking, this is going to be a whistle-stop tour. Uh, in fact, if you are at the theatre right now and you're watching Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat, this would be the interval time. You'd be going to get your drink, going to the loo, getting an ice cream or whatever. That's really kind of where we're at. And in some ways, I'm kind of modelling what I do with most books um, because part of this teaching as well, I've been following Max Licardo's book, You'll Get Through This. And uh, really in, in his book, I'm chapter 9 of chapter fifth, uh, of 15 chapters and uh, I tend to do that when I read books. Anyone else do that? Please let me know. I tend to read half a book. I either get bored or I kind of think, yeah, 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 I've got the gist. I know how, the, how it all happens and finishes in the end and all the rest. So kind of that's a bit where we're at. But at the same time, kind of felt a little bit like time is coming, going on. And if we're still getting through this in terms of the teaching, <laughs> we could still be into the summertime. So uh, that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's my excuse anyway where are we in the story well we're at the point where joseph has been appointed uh, prime minister of egypt his master plan is coming together just brilliantly the seven years of plenty have come he has overseen the the storing of crops and uh, food that's going to last and see them through the seven years of famine uh, which is to come chapter 42 tells of Joseph's dad, Jacob, uh, back uh, in the land of Canaan with his remaining 11 sons. They also, in the surrounding regions, surrounding countries, nations there, are uh, subject to this famine also. And they have learnt that there's food in Egypt. And so Jacob tasks 10 of his sons, keeping Benjamin, his other favourite son, born to the same mother as Joseph, and sends them to this land of Egypt to go get food. And uh, they make this uh, long journey, and when they're there, they meet Joseph. They don't recognise that it's him, but he recognises that it's them. And Joseph asks these questions about uh, his father, and about his other brother, Benjamin. He doesn't ask specifically those questions, but he just inquires, he's teasing out, wants to know about, uh, about them. 
And then Joseph's really sneaky. He hatches this plan because he wants to see uh, see the rest of his family. And uh, so he does a sneaky wee trick, which you can read about yourself, which ends up meaning that he withholds and keeps one of his brothers, his name is Simeon, as a slave in Egypt, uh, nearly as a kind of like a sort of a down payment, as it were, a deposit uh, for a second journey, a return journey. And this time, Joseph's clear he wants to he wants their other brother uh, to come. And obviously, Joseph knows that it's Benjamin. Chapter 43 details the second trip. After the first trip, they do go back with supplies. They go back with food. It feeds them for a time. But then Jacob sends the brothers again. You've got to go back there. And they explain to their dad, to their father, we need to take Benjamin. Um, and uh, after great reluctance, he agrees. And so they go this time. Chapter 44 uh, is really interesting and detailed. I encourage you to read it. Um, they prepare uh, lots of supplies to be returned home. And, uh, and that's that. He, they have this meal together. Um, again, Joseph must have been so torn. He knew it was them, but again, they didn't know it was him. And uh, Joseph's really sneaky again. He places a silver cup into the bag that was due to be carried by Benjamin as a sort of a trick uh, of, of being able to expose that Benjamin was stealing, which of course he wasn't. Um, and they do this whole charade and then Joseph's basically saying, well, Benjamin needs to stay here with me. At which point, and the brothers are like, no, no, that cannot happen. That will just, that will kill our father. He's so distraught after the last time when, when he lost his other chosen loved son, Joseph. If this happens now to Benjamin, no, we won't do that. And you, you begin to really appreciate the emotion uh, captured in the hearts of his brothers. And they're probably still bearing the, the, the uh, responsibility of their own actions, which I'm assuming they never tell their father about. Uh, but you can, you can just hear the emotion, the sorrow pouring out of the words. And they're basically saying, Joseph, please don't, please don't. Uh, and uh, I think it was Judah. He, uh, he says himself, listen, keep me. I'll, I'll, I'll remain in place of Benjamin, but please don't keep Benjamin. So that's that, and that leads us really nicely into the beginning of chapter 45, which I want to read the first five verses. It says this, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Make everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. 
isn't this the most incredible, redemptive passage? Uh, it reminds me a little bit of an episode of Long Lost Families. So for any of you that have watched it, it's a, it's a real tearjerker. I love it. I absolutely love these incredible stories where, um, for example, uh, it could have been a mother who uh, fell pregnant at an early age and, 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 and gave their son or daughter up for adoption and, and have been a part of their lives for years, sometimes 40, 50 years. And the program just retells, or not retells, um, somehow contacts them and then brings them together. And it's all caught on camera. And I tell you, it is so incredibly powerful. And very often in these episodes, you see and you hear the emotion of the, the, the mother, usually, that, that, that gave up their child. And you can, you can just hear that that person has wrestled with the, those feelings of, of sadness, sometimes still with a sense of guilt or shame or whatever it might be. And very often when they embrace for that first time, they have this conversation as, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I hope that you realize, I hope that you understood uh, why I did what I did. And nearly always, I'd like to say always, because I can't remember a, a, another reaction most of the time for for sure it's met with just such grace from 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 the child who usually now as an adult themselves and they're like no no i totally understand and i've had a good life and i'm doing okay and and it's like always met with just incredible grace and that's kind of what we hear and what we see in this story here Joseph is the one sold by his brothers. He reveals his identity to them. 22 years at least have passed at this time. His emotions get the better of him. He's been holding it together and he just wails and weeps. And the Egyptians who he told to get out of here, they can hear what's going on. All of that emotion just comes, pours out of him. And he asks about his father. He misses him and he longs to see him again. But his brothers, interestingly, in this moment, they're terrified. They're terrified because besides Pharaoh, he's the most powerful person of that nation. He could do literally anything to them. They're terrified because they know what they did to him. And again, they're like, oh my goodness, what now is going to become of us? But Joseph reassures them. He's graceful. He says to them, come close. Look, it's me. It's Joseph. It is the one that you sold. He acknowledges what, what they did. But he says, I'm your brother. Don't be distressed. Don't be angry at yourselves for what you did. Why? Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Here's Joseph, who has journeyed all of these years apart, away. Uh, he has uh, come through, has, he has journeyed his life with God, this close relationship that he has with God, that God has healed him and helped him to, to journey the impact and the effect of his past, which we read about last week. That in that place, in that land of suffering, God had favoured him and blessed him. And Joseph had come to understand the true meaning 
of those um, the prophetic dreams that he had as a teenager, that it was for the saving of many lives. That was his God-given destiny. But God worked in him, in his character, for him to get to that place, for him to be able to, when he met his brothers, be so incredibly gracious and forgiving and kind. Instead of, let me tell you, lads, this is what you did to me. And da -de -da. He's not like that at all. He's just gracious, forgiving and kind. It's the most incredible redemptive story. And back to the central message, really, of this whole series, this whole thing that Joseph has come through his pain. God worked in him and through him along the way. And again, I, I remind ourselves here that it, it's often through our pain and suffering that God does some of the most incredible things in our lives. We've used this phrase before that we're the project, that very often God is more concerned about us and about our lives and about our journey and our walk closely with him. To remind ourselves God doesn't bring the suffering, but often he uses it to invite us to draw closer to him. And that's been our central message for these last few weeks, over these last few months. And it's the same, it's the same story. It's this invitation, draw near, abide in me, come close to me. Let me speak tenderly to you. Let me heal you. Let me lead you as we surrender our will and our lives to him. But very often it's that what he does in us that he then uses to benefit others. And it's what he does through us to help and to serve and to love a broken, hurting world of which we are all a part of. And that really was God's given destiny for Joseph life, that it was for the saving of many lives. I'd encourage you to take some time, read the rest of the story for yourself, read those last few chapters. Um, it, it really, Jacob, his father, eventually with the rest of the family, they come down en masse and they relocate their lives there in Egypt and, and Joseph is able to provide for all of them. And it's not, you know, that the, 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 the storing of the food was to, was to prepare the nation of Egypt to survive. But of course, the saving of many lives was the remnant of the people of Israel, God's chosen people. And they relocate themselves from Canaan to Egypt. And it's through, the, through Joseph's life that they're able to be saved from this famine. At the very end, chapter 50, we learn that Jacob... Uh, passes away and uh, the brothers themselves are they're, they're nervous again now Jacob the dad has gone what is going to become of us and I would just want to read some verses here as we draw things to a close chapter 50 verse 15 onwards says when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead they said what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things we did to him so they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is interesting. I'm not sure whether he did or didn't. If I was a, mm, had to get, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a made up story. Um, but anyway, that's not the point. Your father left these instructions for you. That this is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. 
Now please forgive the sins of your, the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The brothers panic. They're afraid that he's going to take revenge for what they did to him. They, they say this story, whether Joseph, Jacob said it or not, that Joseph is to forgive them. He, they didn't need to say that. Joseph had already forgiven them. Joseph was going to provide for them. And it's at this moment, as we read similar verses to what we read in chapter 45, that it was, uh, they intended, his brothers intended to harm him. But actually God was in it. God was, God was going to use it for the saving of many lives. And uh, what we see here is a picture of the fulfillment of those prophetic dreams. The brothers literally come before him, they, they bow before him and they say, we are your slaves, we are committing ourselves to you. And in that moment, uh, are fulfilling that prophetic dreams, the two dreams that he had, the sun, moon and stars and the sheaves of wheat bowing before him. And I wonder at this moment in his lifetime, many years after having them, that Joseph's understanding of his destiny had shifted, had changed. You see, as a young 17-year-old having those dreams, you could easily be led to think, actually, these dreams are about position, they're about power, they're about authority, that I am something special. And all of those years later, through great hardship and suffering, humility has been crafted into his life. And he's come to see the fulfillment of those dreams, but in a way that he may, may not have expected or anticipated at the very beginning. And actually, instead of uh, these dreams and the God-given destiny for him about power and authority, it's actually about compassion and justice. And that God was using Joseph something far greater than himself Joseph himself it was about God himself and God's people and it took uh, many years to get to that place but Joseph understood and got there in the end and I just reflect uh, after many years now of lifetime as we kind of grow and we mature just in life but also in our understanding and our faith and our trust and our relationship with Jesus, we begin to look at life in a different way that perhaps we might have first understood it. We come with a sense of wisdom and understanding of, actually, this isn't about us. This is always about him. This is always about his plans and his purposes in our lives, but through our lives. And Joseph gets there. It turns out in a different way than maybe he first expected. Joseph's clearly forgiven them. He says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. God intended it for good. 
the saving of many lives. What an incredible story, redemptive story that we read about. And it's the same story that's being written time and time and time again in our lives, through our church, through the body of Christ, through our nation, through our neighbourhoods. And I just wonder what it is that God is up to in your life right now. What is it that he's inviting you into? What is it that he's asking you to lay down or to surrender or to let go of? We'll get through this. Stay connected. Keep loving Jesus. And uh, why don't we just uh, just end by just spending a bit of time. Just, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you again for this incredibly powerful story. And God, right now, we choose again to surrender our lives. Whatever it is that you have for us. And God, whatever hardship that we are living in, living through right now, we just hand it to you. We give it to you, wholly trusting. God, thank you that you, you don't promise an easy life always happy but you do promise that you'll always be with us and so we invite you again into every aspect of our lives may you be our peace